Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to On The Mic With Mike. I'm your podcast host, Mike Brown, or you can call me the Instructor Mike. Just visit me on the web at mikebrownsclass.com. Instructor Mike on YouTube. You can also uh, subscribe to this podcast or look me up on Facebook at Mike Brown. You can go to mikebrownsclass.com. So let's jump right into it. You know, I was looking online at the Illinois General Assembly website at www.ilga.gov. And I just happened to be browsing around and I saw a bunch of legislation that is being uh, uh, proposed that seeks to uh, both have a detrimental effect to the uh, Second Amendment rights that we have as Illinoisans and perhaps, you know, some of the Second Amendment rights that we have that are already prohibited. It seeks to take away uh, uh, some of the prohibitions, if you will, to some of the things that have hindered us. So I'm just going to go right into it. Uh, and you can always go to www.ilga.gov. And you can look at their various legislation by clicking on bills and resolutions. And so uh, it'll lead you directly to that. So let's look at, for one, House Bill 1632, House Bill 1632. And the short description is stun gun taser. Now, this is uh, are directly going to affect the Illinois Firearm Owners Identification Act, which is codified as Chapter 430 Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 65. And those of us who live in Illinois who wish to own a taser or a stun gun, things like that, currently the Illinois uh, Firearm Owners Identification Card does not allow you to be able to have in your possession a uh, firearm stun or a I'm sorry not a firearm but a stun gun or a taser now as a former police officer and uh, a, a, a former taser instructor who certified law enforcement officers I can tell you that uh, there was a benefit to having not just a firearm on your belt there was a benefit to having other tools other tools like uh, of the taser and then the cartridges that go with the taser at the time it was the x26 now it's the x2 the x3 which is a more bulkier taser uh manufactured by axon international you know you can look them up um then you have the baton, and then you have pepper spray. Me, I hated pepper spray, was never a fan of it, but I understood its uses. And then you have, you know, other types of weapons uh, and, and, and instruments that you could use in this thing called the use of force continuum. Because as you encounter people, they are going to, not everybody will, but a percentage of the population you encounter will uh, show some type of resistance, anything from verbal resistance to active resistance, trying to defeat the arrest, to passive resistance resistance, trying to uh, not necessarily participate in the arrest, but acting like a dead weight and so on and so forth, active aggression, and then uh, uh, daily force uh, or daily assaults, things of that nature. And so uh, I can appreciate that uh, this piece of legislation because currently Illinois Ford car Ford cart holders are not authorized to carry on or about their person uh, outside of their own uh, abode or place of business, fixed place of business or their residence. They're not allowed to have a uh, taser on their person. Well, the synopsis in this bill 
as it was introduced, seeks to amend the Firearm Owners Identification Card Act and removes the provisions that a person may not acquire or possess a stun gun or taser within the state without having in his or her possession an FOID card previously issued in his or her name by the Department of State Police under the provisions of the act. And its current status is that it started out in the House of Representatives in the state of Illinois. Of course, we have, just like every other state and just like the United States Congress, we have a two-chambered uh, House uh, 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 legislative body. Uh, and it's currently in the House, and it's at the Firearm and Firearm Safety uh, Committee in the House. So it hasn't been tabled. It's still going through. Now, I'm going to uh, just go online and check the website because I do want to uh, uh, list the politician, if you will, that uh, is sponsoring the bill. This is important to know. And their political affiliation. Let me tell you why. Because as I was looking, I saw that some of the things that was being uh, enacted or some of the things that were being drafted, if you will, are by people of surprising parties and then some not so surprising, too. So we're going to go right over to uh, House Bill 1632. And we're going to look at the uh, representative is Representative uh, Alan Skillcorn. He is a member of the Republican Party out of Crystal Lake. OK. And so typically when you have your Second Amendment uh, a legislation or proposals, you typically find that Republicans and I can say I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I'm a very independent uh, conservative on some things, liberal on others. Uh, but when it comes down to my gun rights, I am definitely conservative for a lot of the gun rights because I believe having been uh, having uh, been in the military, you know, United States Army. Uh, being a veteran and being a former police officer, uh, law enforcement practitioner, things like that, having responded to some of the worst of the worst crimes that occur out there, some of the worst of the worst. I feel that it is important to uh, be able to protect yourself because the police cannot be there, okay? We can talk about Castle Rock versus Gonzalez and Warren versus District of Columbia. We will talk about those later in this show, okay? Because there is legislation being drafted that will bring up Castle Rock versus Gonzalez and Warren versus District of Columbia. So hold on to your hats, okay? That is important legislation to look at. Uh, so again, House Bill 1632. Now, if you're, if you, the better thing that you can do to uh, support these bills or to, or be against them is to file a witness slip, okay? And you can go online to, again, Illinois General Assembly, www.ilga.gov. Hope I didn't say .com before. You can go to www.ilga.gov and uh, it put in the bill where there's a search column in the uh, middle of the left-hand side that says search by number. It gives an example. Put HB 1632. You'll go right to it. File your witness slip either for or against it. Okay? Moving on. Let's go to the next. Now, this one is a good one too. This one is a good one. Let's go ahead and put that in. This is House Bill uh, 1599, 1599. And what this seeks to do, uh, it seeks to amend the concealed carry license fees, okay? This amends Chapter 430 Illinois Compound Statutes Act 66, 430 Illinois Compound Statutes Act 66, Section 60, which talks about the Concealed Carry Act fees, okay? And it provides that for a new or renewal concealed carry license, the fee shall be $75, which is half of what it is now, being $150, of which 
$60 rather than $120 shall be appropriated to the Illinois State Police Firearm Services Fund and $5 rather than $20 shall be appropriated to the Mental Health Reporting Fund and $10 shall be appropriated. It just talks about all these other different appropriations. And if it gets passed into law and passes again both chambers of uh, our legislative body in Illinois, it becomes law. This is a savings for Illinoisans who seek to exercise their rights to carry a concealed firearm by reducing in half the cost of a concealed carry license. And the sponsor, here we go, a Democrat, Representative Monica Barst, uh, Bristow, excuse me, out of Alton, Illinois, okay? And so uh, typically, like I said, uh, some of the changes that you get, most of the changes that you get are Republican, but some of them are Democrat. So this is surprising. Nothing against Representative Bristow. I don't know her, but it's just surprising to see that a Democrat would propose such a change when it appears to be that there is a heavy attack against guns. So good job, uh, Representative Bristow. Just giving her a shout out on this podcast. OK, again, House Bill 1599. These are important laws that you need to be made aware of, because while we get distracted with the Jesse Smollett situation and the R. Kelly situation and the Chicago mayoral election, these are important things that you need to know. This, These are how the bills get passed because we do not pay attention to what is going on as to how a bill becomes law and how we as citizens can try the best that we can to intercede in the legislative process, okay? We're going to go ahead and take a little quick break for a word from one of our sponsors. Welcome back. Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike. We're going to go on ahead and continue with our look at the uh, bills that are currently in place in the House. We haven't even gone to the Senate yet, uh, but we're looking at the House because, again, it's a large. Uh, in fact, the uh, Democrats in Illinois have a super majority in both the House and the Senate. So it's important to look at both chambers and the legislation. But this one, we're just counting, uh, concentrating on House bills now. This is another bill that I find to be important to look at. This is, again, House Bill 3174, House Bill 3174, and this is regarding concealed carry public transport, concealed carry public transport. And this is from Representative Patrick Weinhorst. Hopefully, hopefully I said that right. Pe uh, Representative Patrick Weinhorst out of Harrisburg, Illinois. He's a Republican. Okay. Like I said, most of your uh, positive gun things uh, come from Republicans. Okay. And it amends the Firearm Concealed Carry Act, Chapter 430, Illinois Compound Statutes, Act 66, Section 65. And it eliminates the provision that a licensee under the act shall not knowingly carry a firearm on any bus, train, or form of transportation paid for in whole or in part with public funds, any building, real property, and parking area under the control of a public transportation facility paid for in whole or in part with public funds. Now, let me tell you how important this is as a Chicagoan. 
Many of you listening to this podcast either know or don't know about the situation that happened with the young African-American uh, woman who was on the bus stop in the Fernwood neighborhood in Chicago on 103rd Street, where a 19-year-old African-American man uh, walked up to her and tried to rob her in the early morning hours, and she used her concealed carry firearm to defend herself against this person who subsequently died of their wounds. She was at a bus stop. Maybe she was about to get on the bus. If she would have got on the bus, she would have been in violation of the Illinois Concealed Carry Act that says you cannot carry a firearm on the bus. OK, now look at other instances that have happened in Chicago regarding violence that has occurred on public transportation, more especially in Chicago. I find it extremely repugnant that the rep the state representatives in Chicago, according to what I see, Nothing against them as a person, but apparently they don't care enough about the residents who have to take public transportation to do more than just provide police to respond to these incidents. Oftentimes the police, and I can tell you having been one, we can never get there on time. We can never get there on time to stop it or try to prevent it from its occurrence. Typically, most people don't do stuff when police are around. They wait till the police leave. And so this is extremely important because I have trained a large amount of people who take not only regular transportation, their vehicles, things like that. But Chicago also has areas where parking is hard to find. So it's easy to take public transportation and find a parking spot, save your gas. And so why should the people who take public transportation, whether they have a car or not, why should they be handicapped in their ability to be able to protect themselves lawfully? If they qualify for a concealed carry license, and that process in Illinois is hard, long, and is in need of reform. If they went through the battle of getting the license and getting the training way more than any other state, why would they prohibit them from being able to carry on the bus? It's just ludicrous. So this is one bill, House Bill 3174, sponsored by Patrick Pat Winehorse, a Republican. OK, this is one you definitely want to pay to attention to as of February 15th, 2019 has been referred to the Rules Committee. Pay attention to that legislation. It is important. See who votes against it. See who votes against it. Let them know how you feel about that. OK, let them know how you feel about that. We're going to go on ahead and go to another bill. Uh, which is a Senate bill. I, I told you we're going to look at the, just the House, but according uh, to this, I've also looked at a Senate bill too, some Senate bills that are also important to take, uh, look, uh, take a look at. So this is Senate Bill 0160, Senate Bill 0160, and it amends the school code, Chapter 105, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 5, Section 27-23.13. It, it actually makes a new, uh, a, a new amendment to that, and it provides that a school district may offer a firearm safety training course to students in grades 9 through 12, which is high school, which may include the instruction on hunting safety, provided 
that or, or, or it provides that if a school district offers the course, a student may not be required to take the course, but it's an offering. And it provides that if the school board intends to offer a firearm safety course, it must publish or develop a policy to implement the course and must publish that policy on the district's website. And it's sponsored by Senator Neil Anderson, assistant Republican leader out of Moline, Illinois. And it's also sponsored by Jason Plummer, another Republican out of Van, uh, Vandalia. OK, uh, and so, again, this is good. Our kids, our teenagers need to learn about responsible uh, firearm safety. And it has been assigned to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, and so that's where it sits at right now. So let's look at a couple of other uh, pieces of legislation. This is House Bill 0899. House Bill 0899. Let's go on and take a look at this. 0899. And this is the amendment to the firearms owner's identification card. Uh, and it provides that the Department of State Police shall revoke for one year the firearm owner identification card of a card holder who reports to law enforcement agency his firearms lost or stolen in three separate incidents within a two-year period provides that any law enforcement agency that has knowledge that a card holder has reported his or her firearms lost or stolen in three separate incidents within a two-year period shall forthwith uh, for that information to the Department of State Police provides that an incident means an occasion which a firearm, oh, sorry, in which the card holder's firearm or firearms have been lost or stolen regardless of the number of firearms stolen in the incident and that the report of the loss or theft of the firearms on one occasion shall be considered one incident. Provides that if law enforcement agency recovers a firearm that had been lost or stolen and has not been previously reported as lost or stolen, the recovery of the firearm shall be considered an incident for the purpose of that provision. It amends the Criminal Code of 2012, codified as Chapter 720, Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 5, Section 8-4, and provides that a sentence for attempt to acquire a firearm by the use of a revoked FOIA card is a Class 4 felony. Uh, I have to say, I actually like this legislation. It's sponsored by Representative Kelly Cassidy, who is a Democrat out of Chicago, okay, uh, Jonathan Carroll, who's a Democrat out of Northbrook. Okay. Uh, Mark Walker, who is a Democratic out of Arlington Heights and Sarah Feingenholz. I guess I said that right. Who's a Democrat out of, again, Chicago. I like this legislation. I have to say that, uh, look, as a responsible firearms owner, keep up with your dog on firearms, keep up with your dog on firearms. And if they are lost or stolen, report them that way. You don't have to worry about being subject to any penalties that could come of this being passed. And because we have a Democratic stronghold or a supermajority in both the House and the Senate, you can almost be assured that the House bill, let me give it to you again, House Bill 0899 will be sure to pass. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's great too. File whatever you need to file uh, on your witness slips and take whatever appropriate actions to let your senators or representatives know that you either are for or oppose the bill. Again, all of this is coming from www.ilga.gov, www.ilga.gov, uh, and it is important that you pay attention to these bills. Here we go. We're going to look at another bill uh, that is important to look at, and it is House Bill 0898, House Bill 0898, and this is 
uh, the Illinois Police Training Act, specifically for correctional officers and for, uh, yeah, for correctional officers. And having been a correctional officer, uh, I can definitely tell you that I can find, I can appreciate this bill. I really can. So let's go on ahead and look at it on the website. Uh, this is sponsored by Representative John Cabello, who is a Republican out of Loves Park, Illinois. Uh, Stephen Ryak, hope I said that right, a Republican out of Woodstock. Okay, no brainer there. Uh, Dan Calkins, again, I'm going to guess it. Yep, a Republican out of Decatur. Uh, this is uh, Margo. Uh, we can almost say that this is probably uh, heavily... Uh, uh, a Republican bill. We can go on ahead and just say this again. Patrick Whitehorse, you heard that name before. Uh, Thomas Bennett, uh, a Republican out of Pontiac. You know, and I, we can almost say that these are all of the doggone, uh, all, mostly all of the places where there are correctional centers. Uh, Representative Andrew Chesney, a Republican out of Freeport, Illinois. Uh, Darren Bailey, a Republican out of Louisville, Illinois. Uh, didn't know that city existed. Alan Skillcorn, uh, Skillicorn, a Republican out of Crystal Lake. Uh, Jerry Costello. And of course, I'm get, uh, a Democrat. Oh, my God. I just learned something today. A Democrat. So it appears to be uh, a bipartisan bill, a, at least in introduction, mainly Republican. But you got Democrats that support it, too. Jerry Costello out of Redbud, Illinois. And I'm going to go on ahead and say that Redbud is probably in central Illinois or downstate Illinois. I don't know. Lawrence Walsh, uh, a Democrat out of Joliet. OK, Joliet is if you watch the Blues Brothers, Joliet Correctional Center was there. Stateville is in that area. OK, a level one maximum security facility in uh, Illinois, which is also the northern reception and classification for uh, uh, persons that are convicted and uh, given to the custody of the Illinois Department of Corrections. So it's good to see that this is a bipartisan bill. Again, this is House Bill 0898, Correctional Officers and Firearms. And it reads, it amends the Police Training Act and defines Retired law enforcement officer qualified under federal law. Those of you all who are un who know about House Resolution or H.R. 218, which is uh, the uh, Law Enforcement Safety Officers Act. OK, uh, for purposes of the act to permit the carrying of a concealed weapon, it amends the Illinois Criminal Code of 2012, Chapter 720, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 5, the Unified Code of Corrections, Chapter 730, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 5, and the County Jail Act, which is, again, uh, the codification, uh, I believe, not, cha not Chapter 50. Chapter 50 is the, um, what am I trying to say? Chapter 50 is the Police Training Act, but Chapter 7. 730 Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 125 is the County Jail Act, and it permits currently employed and qualified retired state correctional officers and county correctional officers to carry their own firearms off duty without being in violation of the unlawful use of a weapon and aggravated unlawful use of a weapon statutes if they meet certain training requirements provides that currently employed and qualified retired state correctional officers and county correctional officers uh, shall carry photographic identification and a valid annual firearm training certificate uh, while carrying their own firearms off duty. It is limited to those correctional officers who have custody and control over inmates uh, in an adult correctional facility and upon its uh, upon its passing will become active immediately. So I just want to say how important this legislation is because at the time that I was a correctional officer, uh, we were not allowed to carry our firearms 
off duty. You can carry it when you're on a writ team, things like that. But other than that, you cannot carry your firearm off duty. And that was bad because, come on now, just because a person is confined to the prison doesn't mean they're going to stay uh, there. And I think that it is important. And there, there have been persons that have been locked up in adult institutions that I've worked at where I have seen them uh, outside the prison. Luckily, I was the type of person that treated them with firmness, fairness, friendliness and consistency as they preach in the academy. And I didn't have to worry about any outside of the or behind the wall or outside the wall problems. But that was not the case for a correctional officer, a retired corrections officer, sergeant in Hazelcrest, okay? Um, retired, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up the story now. Uh, a retired Illinois corrections officer was beaten and robbed in Hazelcrest and he has subsequently died, according to police. And this is on abc7.com. According to police, Kenneth Shamble, 62-year-old, 60, was attacked as he got out of his car. As he got out of his car in his driveway near 168th Street in Orchard Ridge between eight p.m. and 9 p.m. last Wednesday, February 6, 2019. Police believe the two suspects beat and robbed Shamble before taking his car, wallet, and phone. Shamble's daughter later found him inside of his home at 1 a.m. And according to the Cook County Medical Examiner that uh, they have confirmed his death and notice they said nothing about a firearm being taken off of his person. So we don't know if he was uh, a concealed carry licensee or whatever the case may have been. It would be important to know if he was one of the ones that had fallen to the mindset because, again, they're not allowed to carry, right? They're not allowed to carry by policy unless this policy has changed. I know it has changed for parole agents, but I don't know if it changed for correctional officers, okay? Uh, parole agents work for the Illinois Department of Corrections, and so they're, they are finally allowed to carry off-duty as a part of the uh, a, a, a makeup, if you want to call it a makeup, but a, a spawn of the Illinois retired officers concealed carry. You have Illinois parole agents concealed carry, and they have to qualify under that program to where they're allowed to carry their own personal firearms, not the department's firearms off-duty. And so, Come on, man. These people are. How do we sit here and want to protect our police officers, but we don't want to protect the correctional officers assigned with the duty? And by law, they are peace officers. OK, uh, but they're assigned with the duty to watch those who are committed to its custody. Come on now. A peace officer is defined in the state of Illinois as a person. OK, a person who, by virtue of his employment, be it public or private, is vested by law with the duty to make arrest for offenses, whether that duty extends to all offenses or limited to some. And we know that Illinois correctional officers enforce at most OK, the Illinois, uh, the Illinois uh, Corrections Code or the Unified Code of Corrections, Chapter 430, Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 5. OK, county corrections officers enforce the County Jails Act and the Unified Code of Corrections as well. And they also enforce the Illinois Criminal Code because crimes are committed inside of the jail. Chapter 720, Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 5. We got to do a better job of protecting those who assist in protecting us. OK. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break, and we will be right back with On the Mic with Mike. Hey, what's going on? We're back with 
on the mic with Mike. So let us go on ahead and continue. I just want to thank you for your followership again. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Instructor Mike, or follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike. You can always go to Security Training Concepts at the website, www.mikebrownsclass.com for more information regarding concealed carry, unarmed and armed security training, uh, anger management, all that great stuff, mikebrownsclass.com. So let's go on ahead and get back into it. All right, so here we go. This is House Bill 0887, House Bill 0887, and it is codified as uh, the Firearms Owners Identification Card Act it seeks to amend it. The short description of the bill is the FOID denial and revocation for stalking. So let's look at that. This is important to uh, look at. I wouldn't try to uh, do anything against this, and I'm actually in support of it because um, it amends the Firearms Owners Identification Card Act and provides that the Department of State Police has the authority to deny an application for or to revoke and seize a firearm owner identification card previously issued under the act if the department finds that the applicant or the person to whom the card was issued is or was at the time of issuance a person who has been convicted within the past five years of stalking or a substantially similar offense in another jurisdiction in which a firearm was used or possessed. I think this is important to protect uh, females and even protect males too, okay? Uh, and that's another debate that we could clearly have in terms of the administration of justice and the presumption of innocence and evidence and who takes what side. That's a conversation for another Another day, I think that there needs to be reform in that area too. But that having been said, at least they're talking about conviction, not an accusal. Conviction, not an accusal, means that you go through the justice process, you know, you better have some doggone evidence to be able to prove that you were not stalking. I know what that's about, okay? Uh, and so it's important to have that. But this is also important too, because when we're talking about that, sometimes you want to prove a point. You know, in certain situations and you want to, you know, come around and try to have that person understand what you have to say. Look, sometimes the better thing to do in some of these situations is walk the hell away. Walk away, walk away, walk away. You know, an argument is not worth you losing your ability to be able to protect yourself. And we say that now because we're calm. Well, you know, it's the easier said than done. There's a saying that saying something a thousand times is not the same thing as living it or doing it once. I believe that to be true. OK, uh, but again, this is is too many representatives. You know, you got uh, some of the name ones, some of the ones you've uh, heard before, you know, uh, Daniel Didick out of Buffalo Grove, uh, uh, not Republican, but a Democrat, uh, Jonathan Carroll. We can argue, yep, Democrat out of Northbrook, some of the same names you've heard me say before. Jennifer Gong Gershowitz, uh, a Democrat out of Glenview. Uh, so we can argue that this is a pretty, this is a pretty much a heavy Democratic bill. Uh, yeah, Representative Lamont Robinson out of Chicago. Uh, so without looking at the rest of the representatives, Democratic bill. Uh, let's see if there's some uh, Republican, no, another Democrat, uh, Representative Carol Amons out of Champaign, uh, Yahil uh, Kalish, Jewish guy, uh, nothing against you, I'm just saying his, his, that's his name, uh, out of Skokie, um, Democrat. So we could argue that this is a pretty uh, heavy Democrat bill, Robert Martwick out of Chicago, uh, up north. So yeah, we can argue this is a Democratic bill uh, for the purposes of time. Uh, and it's been assigned to the Firearms and Firearms Safety Subcommittee. And, you know, the Firearms and Firearms Safety Subcommittee is 
uh, code shared by Justin Slaughter, a Democrat out of the Chicago office. And uh, he's a full time legislator, coordinator of a lot of places within Cook County and former deputy director at the Illinois Department of Juvenile Justice and former first director uh, or district director at Cook County Commissioner Stanley Moore. And he's got his uh, B.A. and Master of Arts and all that great stuff. Native Chicagoan grew up in the South Side, Washington Heights community. So, you know. Um, he's a co-chair of that. I, I, I'd love to be able to talk to him to see and pull his knowledge about firearms and firearm safety subcommittee. And I might just do that. I might just do that. It would be interesting. That, that's, an, that's a good project for me. How many of y'all want me to do that? If you want me to do that, uh, <laughs> just find me on Facebook, message me, tell me you want me to do that or drop a message in here. Uh, again, uh, this is an important bill and I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. We have to protect our, uh, those against stalking. Uh, whether or not the justice system is administered properly, that's for another time. But I'm not against that one. Uh, let's go on ahead and look at another bill. Uh, here we go. Just bear with me for a minute. We're almost done here. Um, this bill is the Chicago Officials Recall. House Bill 0843. 0843. House Bill uh, 0843, it's the Chicago Officials Recall, and it's a new act. It establishes the Laquan McDonald Act, the Laquan McDonald Act, and the sponsor in the House is Representative Ann Stava Murray, a Democrat out of Downers Grove, uh, established the Laquan McDonald Act. She's a very new representative. She just got elected. Uh, establishes a procedure for an election to recall the mayor of Chicago, an alderman of the city of Chicago, and the Cook County State's Attorney. So you know that it is uh, currently assigned to the executive committee. Uh, you know that this is a bill clearly targeted towards uh, in any of the states of uh, the state's attorney, then aldermen, the mayor of Chicago, you know. And so uh, whether or not this will have any headway or gain any headway, I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, but I guess this could be good uh, because if a mayor doesn't do what he's supposed to do, there should be some kind of legislative procedure to be able to recall by election uh, the mayor and aldermen. But let's see. Let's see if it's going to have some political support. And I'm surprised because the mayor of Chicago being a head, a Democrat, uh, most of the aldermen, if, if not all of them, are Democrats. Uh, the Cook County State's Attorney is a Democrat. And so for a Democrat to push this bill, it's, I don't know, it, it, I'm, interested, it's, I'm interested in seeing how this is going to play out. She's new. So what prompted her to, to do this? It's an interesting bill to look at. Nothing firearms related, but just kind of interesting to look at. Here's another bill. Uh, Illinois Concealed Carry Business License, okay? And it's sponsored by some of the same names if you heard of, all Republican. Uh, and I think Margot uh, Maderm, I want to see if she is a Republican too. But again, this is House Bill uh, 0274. House Bill 0274. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's go to it. Uh, House Bill 0274. Margot McDermott, I believe she is a Republican out of Frankfurt. Yeah. So not one of the names that I've mentioned before, but this is primarily a Republican bill and it amends the Firearm Concealed Carry Act and provides that a municipality, including a home rule unit, may not revoke, suspend or refuse to renew a business license or otherwise interfere with a business license issued by the municipality to the business owner, including the owner, the holder of a retail liquor license 
issued by the Illinois Liquor Control Act because the business owner lawfully permits a concealed carry licensee to carry firearms onto his or her business establishment effective immediately. Now, it's been uh, given to the Firearms and Firearms Safety Subcommittee. I don't know where this is going to go. This would be interesting to see. Um, and especially given in the wake of uh, Chicago, not Chicago, but what happens in what happened in Robbins, Illinois, with uh, Manny's Blue Room and the Midlothian police officer who uh, shot and uh, who shot Jamel Roberson, a uh, black male who was identified as a security officer. Uh, it was argued whether or not he had on any markings that identified him as such, but he did die of his wounds. And the argument came, uh, and especially I've talked about it in the Daily South Town and other places, you know, on my Facebook page as to whether or not he was even supposed to be in there. And of course, this is not uh, a demonizing, if you will, uh, or for the lack of a better term, of Jamel Roberson. It's just to talk about some of the licenses that he was supposed to have, uh, some of the licenses that the business was supposed to have, and what went wrong that made that situation even possible. So it's interesting to see how this is going to come out. Of course, this is a heavy Republican-sponsored bill in a, a largely or a super-majority Democratic uh, cha a legislative chamber chambers, if you will. So it's interesting to see how this one is going to come out. Again, that's House Bill 0274. It seeks to amend the Firearms Concealed Carry Act. Uh, and so, you know, if that was the case, if this was law, then um, Manny's Blue Room would probably still have their liquor license if they haven't already gotten it back already. Uh, so that, that's just something to, to look at. Okay, here we go. Senate Bill 0120. Yeah, you're not going to be happy with Senate Bill 0120. So it establishes a new act, a new act. And it's sponsored by Neil Anderson, a Republican out of, let me get it, a Republican out of Moline, Illinois. Neil or Senator Anderson, I don't know what you were thinking when you did this one, but I guess, you know, whatever. It confirms the things that I have been talking about all this time as it relates to Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. Okay, I'll read to you what that is, and then I'll talk about Castle Rock uh, versus Gonzalez. Okay, so the public duty rule codification is seeks to create a state law a new act okay let me just get this on computer real quick uh, uh, uh. okay it seeks to create a, a public duty rule codification act and it contains legislative findings and a statement of legislative purpose provides that a local government entity and its employees including the police owe no duty of care to individual members of the general public to provide governmental services. That includes police protection. And this is on the heels of the town of Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. Okay. And that is a United States Supreme Court case codified as uh, 545 U.S. 748, a 2005 United States Supreme Court case in which the court ruled seven to two. Okay. That a town and its police department could not be sued under Title 42 United States Code Section 1983, which is the Enforcement Act of 1871. It's a variety of different acts that uh, are, it's 
often used when people seek to cite that a government has violated the civil rights of a person and or persons in their failure to perform or dereliction of duty. Uh, and so the court ruled that a town and its police department cannot be sued under Title 42 United States Code Section 1983 for failure to enforce a restraining order, which led to the murder of a woman's three children by her estranged uh, her estranged husband. Okay. Uh, look up that case. It, it's crazy. And then you've got the other case of Warren versus district of Columbia. Those of you all who have followed me have heard me often cite this case. It's a case out of the DC appellate circuit, uh, where the court ruled that the police do not have a duty to you to protect you, the individual, that it is called the public duty doctrine, that services are owed to the public at large, not you specifically. And I want you to look at the operative language in Senate Bill uh, 0120, that, the, that a local government entity and its employees owe no duty of care. Duty of care is a standard typically used in civil lawsuits, civil lawsuits. We as citizens, we all have a duty of care. That duty of care is to make sure that I don't violate your personal space or your right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the manner in which you go about uh, achieving those things. So long as it your actions do not violate the law. I have a standard of a standard duty of care to conduct myself appropriately so as not to violate those things that you have a right or an entire too, okay? And so this is just important. It's assigned to the Judiciary Committee. It's an important bill to look at because if they get this bill passed in both chambers of the uh, legislature in Illinois, uh, that's just going to solidify what I've already said, that the police don't owe you any kind of protection. And so you need to get yourself in somebody's doggone concealed carry course. I mean, come on, get yourself into somebody's concealed carry course. And I want to go ahead and end this podcast by looking at another bill that was actually tabled. And it's a good thing that it was tabled. But I want to look at this bill because I'm telling you where the legislators are trying to go as it relates to the all out assault and attack, the all out assault and attack against. And there was another bill that I wanted to look at um, an all out assault and attack against our desire to protect ourselves. How many of you all remember the Dylan Roof situation in, I believe that was South Carolina? Yeah, absolutely. How many of you all remember that? I hope you, I hope you did. All right. So this one is House Bill 3023. House Bill 3023. Uh, I invite you to go look at it. And it was sponsored by a Democrat, Yahil Kalish, okay, out of Skokie. Leave me to talk to him and find out what the heck was on his mind. Uh, he is a new uh, representative in the 16th district in uh, Illinois. And so he introduced a bill that was tabled. Good job. I'm glad, I guess somebody talked to him. He came to his senses. But it sought to amend the Firearm Concealed Carry Act. Uh, by adding to the list of prohibitors, by adding to the list of prohibitors, places where a person cannot carry uh, any building, real property or parking area under the control of a synagogue, a temple, a church, a mosque or other place of worship. And he sought to add that to the list of places where you cannot carry. Sir, are you freaking serious? 
Do you understand how that would have been so that would have invited those who sought to do danger or who seek to do danger uh, to our churches? OK, that would have invited another Dylan Roof. OK, maybe not of the maybe not of a different race. It could have been of the same race. It would have invited that you would have ineffectively disarmed, disarmed us church parishioners from being able to carry provided the church allows you to and doesn't prohibit it okay because they a, a private property owner has the right to prohibit your ability to be able to carry within that church at least by law okay but you have would have in essence handicapped our ability to be able to carry inside of the church and that is exactly what happened in the dylan roof situation the state senator uh, the pastor was a state senator OK, I believe out of South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. OK, and he was against guns, a staunch uh, uh, advocate against guns. Nine times out of 10, people are heavily influenced by their pastor and the parishioners allowed themselves to be influenced not to carry a gun. And nine people, including the pastor, lost their lives. If you are not safe in God's house, where are you safe? Sometimes people rely on religion so heavily for what God has already provided. God has provided you the ability to be able to protect yourself. He has provided the ability or she, whomever you believe in, has provided the ability to inspire within humans the desire to make firearms to protect yourself because they know God can't be everywhere. Even if you believe in that type of stuff, it's up to you to protect yourself. And if God can't protect you, if the politicians can't protect you, can you protect yourself? Come on. So as it currently stands, February 26, 2019 in the House, the motion was filed by Representative Kalish. I guess that's what this reads to table the bill or resolution pursuant to House Rule 60B and typically tabled uh, motions or tabled House bills typically don't get resurrected. Again, go look at it. House Bill 3023. House Bill 3023. That's an important bill to look at. And I, it's a shame. It's a doggone shame that he um, even proposed that. Uh, but I guess somebody talked him out of it. Good job, whoever did that. Good job. I also want to look at another uh, bill. Let's see if I can find it. Um, it has something to do with the church. Uh, I might not be able to find it. But I know it was important. Um, and if it's important, I'll just add it to here. Uh, matter of fact, let me go ahead and take a commercial break. And then uh, if it, if I do find it, which I'm going to look for it, if I do find it, we will be back. If not, I'll just end with a closing message. So we'll be back with On the Mic with Mike right after this. Don't go anywhere. Come on back. All right. We're going to go on ahead and just go right into it. You're back with On the Mic with Mike. And I just want to go on ahead and mention a couple of bills uh, that are in the house that is important to also take a look at. Uh, one of them is House Bill 0187. House Bill 0187, and that's sponsored by LaShawn K. Ford out of Chicago, a Democrat that talks about Criminal Identification Act immediate expungement. It's codified as Chapter 20, Illinois Compiled Statutes Act 2630, Section 5.2, the Criminal Identification Act, and it provides that records of charges that result in an acquittal, in other words, you were found not guilty, or dismissed with prejudice, except for minor traffic offenses, be immediately expunged 
after the final disposition of the case uh, provides that upon entry of judgment, the defendant shall be informed of his right and the proper procedures to follow and to have records that are eligible to be immediately expunged. Provides that the petition may be filled out on behalf of the defendant by his or her attorney at the final disposition hearing or by the defendant as pro se at the time and provides that the state's attorney may not object to an immediate expungement petition and that the presiding trial judge shall enter an order granting or denying the petition during the hearing in which the petition is filed. Provides that no fees shall be charged to the circuit court clerk or the Department of State Police for processing petitions filed under this provision makes other changes. I fully support this measure. Man, I fully support this measure. Look, you know, it is often the case that a person who is wrongfully charged uh, with the commission of a crime, they are subsequently found not guilty or it's motion state SOL or it's motion state nolipros, whatever the case may be, but it results in an acquittal. You were found not guilty. That record is still on you and it's up to you to have to go and get that expunged. And not a lot of people know that. So I fully support this measure. House Bill 0187. House Bill 0187. I'm going to end this podcast with this House Bill 2419, House Bill 2419, sponsored by Representative Tim Butler out of Springfield, a Republican, and it's concealed carry objections. This one is important. It's uh, It amends the Firearm Concealed Carry Act, Chapter 430, Illinois Compiled Statutes at 66, Sections 15 and 20, provides that the referral uh, of an objection from a law enforcement agency for the issuance of a concealed carry license to the Concealed Carry Licensing Review Board shall toll the 90-day period for not more than 60 days for the Department of State Police to issue or deny the applicant. So many people have gone through the process and have been given letter after letter after letter after letter after letter, letter after letter, 30 days, then 30 days, then 30 days. Look, this objection, this bill is important because it gives the state uh, or the board 60 more days on top of the 90 day period to issue or deny the license. And it provides that if an objection by, uh, of a law enforcement agency or the department is not supported by clear or convincing evidence, the board shall dismiss the objection and notify the department that the applicant is eligible for a license and it becomes effective immediately upon its pasture. We need to push that. We need to push that because the Illinois State Police and the Concealed Carry Licensing Review Board has just gone absolutely bonkers when it comes down to trying to, you know, deal with objections and giving persons, you know, uh, you know, applicable time or, or time to respond. I mean, just the wait is just asinine. It's just unheard of. I don't even know if it is heard of. So that's one that needs to be looked at. All right. I'm out of here. Uh, thank you for listening to On the Mic with Mike. There will be more of these as I find more bills because it's important that you understand uh, the bills that are being proposed, how laws are being made, and these are the laws that affect us. Okay, of course, you can go to the website, www.ilga.gov. Enter any one of these house bills that I have put up and I'll put it in the comments section or in the uh, description section of the actual podcast. So you can see the specific bills that we looked at and a synopsis of them really quickly, really, really quickly uh, so that you will know how to go online, file the witness slips, you know, uh, uh, agree with or oppose 
the appropriate legislation that you either like or dislike and could uh, follow in the legislative process. OK, some of these bills need to die. Some of these bills need to be passed. But nothing will happen if you don't raise your voice. If you don't raise. Yeah, that's me yawning. <laughs> if you don't raise your voice, nothing will happen. OK, again, on the mic with Mike. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Yes Mike Said It, on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike, on my YouTube channel at Instructor Mike. A lot of good content there. Okay, follow me, follow me, like, subscribe, all that great stuff. All right, until then, we are out of here. Stay safe. Love you guys. Thank you for your followership. Take care.